uh, I, I have to say, first and foremost, I, I think the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I, some of you heard me tell this before, but some of our new, new, uh, newer comers here at Voice of Praise, uh, I want to tell you just a little bit about me. Um, you know, I've been this tall since I was in the sixth grade of school, number one. Okay? I, I have more hair than you realize. It just all goes like this, okay? I'm, I'm really not bald. I'm thinking about, I'm considering doing no shave November just to let it grow out, see what it would look like now. Sarah says that that's not going to happen. Uh, but, but the reality of it is, I grew up, I was born in a non-Christian family. Now, non-Christian in the sense that they did not know salvation. Uh, my family had close, the closest ties they had to any church or any church affiliation was to the Episcopal Church. And those of you that uh, know uh, any any uh, thing at all about the Episcopal Church, it's very much first cousin to the Catholic Church. And I can remember being dropped off. My parents never went to church uh, very much at all. Very few times can I ever remember us going to church as a family. And then when I got about 12 years old, uh, my I had an uncle and aunt that began to... Uh, to take my sister and myself to church to an, an Assemblies of God church. And uh, I knew absolutely nothing about uh, church. I knew absolutely nothing about being saved. But I went to watch a movie called On the Road to Armageddon. Now, this that was back in the days when you went to hell if you went to the movies. And then they started bringing... Uh, movie projectors in the church, and that's one of those old big reel-to-reels that sit there, you know. And I remember some old brethren in the church sitting there. They 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 had that movie projector going and said, "I wonder when they don't bring out the popcorn now," you know. But that movie was on the road to Armageddon, and I didn't know what it was even about. I just knew that it was bad. Uh, it was a depiction of the end time, and I saw people. Uh, being being killed and murdered, and I saw the depiction of blood running up to the horse's bi- uh, bridle in that last great battle, and I just simply knew this. I didn't know a whole lot about salvation. I didn't understand a whole lot about Jesus, but I just knew I didn't want to go to hell. Okay? So that was my first encounter at around 12 years old with the with the Lord. Uh, my aunt and uncle immediately started taking us to church every week. They took me to Leggett Department Store, bought me a leisure suit. Anybody remember the leisure suit? They bought me a leisure suit. They bought me a pair of platform, patent leather, platform sole shoes. I am awaiting the day for the platform shoes to come back for men. It increases your height immensely, tremendously. And from there, uh, my Christian experience has been a journey, and I don't have time to share all of that with you. But I was a very, I, I, you know, I, I started music. My, my dad was insistent I was going to learn to play the banjo, and I, I received one at a very early age. I started playing music uh, with a southern gospel band. It was sort of a bluegrass southern gospel band when I was probably around 15 years old. And uh, there are pictures that are still floating around of those days. And uh, for those of you that watch the Adams family, I look like Cousin It. Because I had all of this hair, but I stood with my head down like this. 
all the time and my hair just hang. You know, I, at that time I could comb my bangs came down to here. Anybody remember the days of bangs? My bangs would, and I would stand like this with my head down. Uh, I told in, in a, in 1990 when the, when the Lord began, or yeah, I guess it was 89 or 90, when the Lord really began to deal with my heart about preaching the gospel, I immediately told him he had the wrong guy. Immediately told him he had, for two years, I continued to tell the Lord that he had the wrong guy. I, I'm actually, some of you say, no way. I'm actually by nature, I am an introvert. That's why I have a problem closing my eyes when I'm talking, okay? That and my daddy did it as well. That's why I have a problem just looking somebody right square in the eye. But I, that just makes me uh, feel uncomfortable, you know, sometimes. You know, some some people in this room are uncomfortable when somebody touches you, you know, shakes your hand or something. I, 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 I'm, I'm an introvert, really. You would probably never think that, but I am. So I said all that to say this. It still blows my mind sometimes to think that God called me into ministry and week after week I stand before people, week after week I encounter people. Uh, I will say this, age helps a lot because the older you get, younger people in the room, the older you get, the more prone you are just to talk to whoever you see. Old people talk to everybody. Okay? They do. So, so, I, but, but I, it still blows my mind that the Lord would call me. I feel very unqualified. I feel, I, I, I feel the least among any of us in this room. I feel least among my peers in ministry. But I certainly am confident on the other hand that the Lord has called me in the, there's fivefold callings of ministry. I hope I can remember them all. There's the, the office of apostle. There's evangelist. There's prophet. There's pastor. And there's teacher. Some people combine pastor and teacher together. I, I don't necessarily. Uh, but I, I am confident my call of ministry is pastoring. I haven't held a revival for anybody and, well, I did preach, you know, I preached a night or two here and there, but I really haven't held a revival, uh, a week-long revival or a weekend revival in years. That doesn't bother me. That That's not necessarily my call of ministry, but my call is to pastor. And, and I thank God, again, just sharing just a little bit of my life, for those of you that don't know me as well as others. In 2005, I went through a, I went through a, uh, I went through a very difficult time of my life. And my spouse of 25 years died suddenly. And then, and then the Lord blessed me with a, I said a lot of people struggle to find one good woman in life and God blessed me with two. They're very different, very different personalities, very different people, very different in their giftings. But God blessed me double in life. And both my late wife and Miss Sarah, as you all know, have, have been an integral part of me uh, doing whatever. And whatever success you may consider I've had or, you know, not, I wouldn't say haven't had, it's been with the, 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 the people God has given me, the, the mates that he has given me in life. 
So I'm very blessed, and I'm very blessed to have Sarah. And and I, I will say this as a church, you're blessed to have Sarah. You are, because she, she is a tremendous... She woke me up just a few nights ago. I thought something tragic had happened, and she woke me up just a few nights ago, just bawling her eyes out as she was up at 3 o'clock in the morning crying and praying. You know, and, and I realized it scared me just a little bit because I didn't know what was going on. But at the same time, it's, it's wonderful to know that God has given me, uh, a great soulmate to be by my side in ministry. And I love you. So we, and I'll, I'll try to be brief as I can with this because I know we got dinner, dinner waiting, lunch is waiting. A number of years ago, Sarah and I felt an urgency. I never, I had been to Blue Well once in my life and I didn't even know it. I had rode with my uncle back in around 1973 or 74. I had, I had come with my uncle to Blue Well to buy one of those Zenith color TVs at Nick's House of Color. They used to advertise them on Channel 6. Those of you who are younger, you don't even know what I'm talking about. Back then, Channel 6 was WHIS instead of WVVA. And we could pick it up over our way if you took one antenna wire loose. And then, but then some days it looked like you were looking at a black bear in a polar storm, you know, in a snowstorm. But my uncle, color TVs. Listen, young people, we had, used to have to watch it in black and white. On a screen about this big, okay? We kind of come over here, my uncle, he bought him one of them colored Zenith console, big old wood cabinet, weighed about 500 pound TVs. I had come to Blue Well and didn't even know where I was at. Years and years later, and, uh, you know, I don't remember the exact year, it was probably somewhere around 2000, 12, 2011, uh, this church had went through a pastoral transition. Pastor Andy Bird had left this church, and this church came open as a vacancy in our conference. I felt a drawing to this church. Didn't have any, really any clue where Bluewell was. I don't even know how we did. We did, did we have a Magellan back then? We had a Magellan GPS. Remember? Sarah and I drove over here on a Sunday evening. Uh, we pulled up on this church parking lot, and I felt, I, we, we try, I tried to talk myself out. I said, what if they're having Sunday church? They're going to wonder who these strange people are driving up on their parking lot. And we pulled up on the church parking lot and, and, and came, came around, and we parked right out here, and we sat on this church parking lot, and we prayed. And it's just like the Holy Spirit said to us, it's not the right time. Now, there was another pastor came along. And I'm not, I'm not delving into that, but it was that pastor created a very negative experience for the church. And some of you don't know about it. And that's okay, you don't need to. But then, one day, Sarah and I walked into, this was before the, that particular, 
that second pastor left, Sarah and I walk into uh, one of our usual spots on Sunday. We walked into Tokyo Japanese Restaurant in Whitfield. And uh, there was our conference bishop and his wife. You all know them as Preston and Kathy. They invited us to have lunch with them. So he's talking to me, and, and he's relatively new in the bishopry, and he said, so what's your, what do you think your future is with the, with the IPHC and Appalachian Conference? He said, I said, well, there, there's probably three churches in our conference I, that I could, that I feel like I may have a leading towards. He said, what are those three? And I gave him the first two, and I said, and voice of praise in blue well. He's, and, yeah, there wasn't anything happening at that time. Then just, then, but then it wasn't long, maybe a few weeks, maybe a couple of months or so, a pastoral vacancy occurred here at this church. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, it is time. And I, again, I don't have time to go into the details. We were very content where we were pastoring. We had been pastoring there uh, an extensive number of years. All was going good. I, I, I sent in my resume to the conference for Voice of Praise Worship Center. I, uh, I, 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 my son was my worship leader, and he and his wife at that time were our youth leaders. And I did not even tell them that I had applied for another church. I mean, he had always been under my coattail in ministry, and 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 I. Really, to be frank about it, I just didn't have the nerve. I didn't have the heart to tell him. And then one Sunday morning after church, I knew that uh, we had actually came for an interview. And this church was getting ready to take a vote for their pastor the next week. And we we were pastoring our then church. And after Sunday night service, they got through with the youth in our fellowship building. And my son and his wife, they came in and they said, we need to talk to you about something. And I'm thinking, I need to talk to you about something. Because I'm, you know, I had already, quite frankly, I had already come this close to convincing myself to withdraw my name from Voice of Praise Worship Center. And my son, his name is Zach. He came in, he said, Dad, I need to talk to you about something. I said, what's that? He said, I think we're through here at the church we were at at that time. He said, I think we're through here. I hate to let you down, but I feel like it's time for us to move into something else. I said, "Um, I got something to tell you. I said, I put in for another church and I've had an interview and they're taking a vote next Sunday. Um, long story short, here we are. Eight years later, close, almost eight years later, we're just a couple of weeks away, and man, what a journey it's been. Uh, I want to tell you a story. This is actually, this is a, I guess, you, I guess this is a fictitious story. You know, you can find all kinds of stuff on the internet. You know, preaching is, there's just so much information. I want to say welcome to, to Voice of Praise, and we'll, we'll, we'll move into Scripture. But I want to tell you the story, though. As, whether it be fictitious or not, the excited new pastor arrived on his brand new assignment. As he began to organize his desk, he discovered three envelopes. If you're country, you said envelopes. 
he discovered three envelopes in the center drawer of the pastor's desk with a note attached. Dear successor, each time things become difficult, feel free to just open an envelope. The anxious contemporary hit the ground running. He wanted his church to grow. He immediately launched into a radical makeover of children's ministry. Quickly, he encountered some resistance. Somebody said, Why those flannel boards are the ones that my grandpa John hung up on the wall in there back in 1971 and the preacher's wanting to take them down. The new pastor turns and opens envelope number one. In envelope number one was a note that read this way. Dear Pastor, you're opening this envelope because you have attempted to change children's church. You have my permission to tell the congregation that I instructed you to do so. The new pastor did, and indeed, all was well. A few months passed. The now not-so-new pastor began to make changes in leadership. Council, some people referred to it as the deacon board and the elders. He developed a rotating system that would result in an old brother Fred that had been on the council for more than 30 years would rotate off and one of the younger men would fill that position. And it would begin a process of leadership rotation. Controversy soon arose and the young pastor finally succumbed and opened envelope number two. Envelope number two, there was a note, and that note read like this. Dear Pastor, you're opening this envelope because you had a vision of developing new leadership in the church by rotating your council members. Please feel free to throw me under the bus. Tell the congregation that your decision has my blessing and it is in the best interest of the church. The young pastor did. And it was. Having weathered the two storms, the, the now veteran pastor was comfortable that he had gained the influence of his congregation. So he began to trade on some really sacred ground. He began to change the music program. Can anybody in this room say volcano? Yep, it was an eruption. But there was one envelope left in the drawer. In his overwhelmed state of mind, he goes to his desk. He pulls that drawer open and he takes out envelope number three. He slowly slips his letter opener under the lid of the envelope. And he pulls out a note. And these are the words he found in envelope number three. Dear Pastor, you just announced changes to the music program. I can tell. Now it's time for you to go ahead and prepare your three envelopes for your successor that's going to be here in about a month. <laughs> uh, 
pastoral change is bumpy, okay? Pastoral change is a bumpy road for not only the congregation, but also the pastor and his family usually. While it seems like only yesterday Sarah and I I arrived here, it is hard to believe again that we'll be celebrating eight years soon uh, with you all. And uh, in that time, in this past almost eight years, I want to tell you, we have learned a lot about each other. We've learned each other's, we have learned each other's character. We've learned each other's character traits. We have, uh, learned likes and dislikes. Uh, we, we've, le- we've just learned so much about each other. And when Barry said, tell the pastor what you think about him last week, I thought, no! Uh, in these past nearly eight years, we've been through some family crisis. We've been through sickness. Uh, we've grieved with, Several of you, if you've lost loved ones, we've helped you lay those loved ones to rest. Some of you I've joined in marriage, in holy matrimony. Uh, we have we have got to hold your new babies, more so Sarah, that and me, I'm scared of babies. We've got to hold your new babies and we've celebrated a lot of victories and uh, cried on each other's shoulders a lot in the past eight years. Don't get nervous. This is not a resignation message. Okay? I meant to bring the sign in and I, I didn't bring the sign in, but when you leave, if there's a, there is a banner out there between the doors that says Voice of Praise Worship Center. A family of believers doing life together. And over these past eight years, we have learned to do life together. And we're still doing it together. Now, I want you, if you got your, have your Bibles with you, I want you to go to Philippians chapter 1 and verse eight, verses 1 through 8. Philippians 1, verses 1 through 8. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Notice in that first verse who the letter is addressed to all God's people with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on into <clears throat> carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how long how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I want to preach to you just a little while uh, for these next few minutes about doing life together. When we examine the scriptures, Paul is writing to back to the church at Philippi. When we look at Acts chapter 16, we find that Paul was called to go into Macedonia, where in the town or the city of Philippi was. 
So there Paul went and Paul preached the gospel and, and we know he, he had Timothy and I believe Barnabas was with him during that time and the church was established. Now Paul is writing a letter to the church at Philippi. But I want you to see that as Paul writes this letter, I want you to know just a little bit of the background. There was a lot of tremendous things happened while Paul was building these churches in Macedonia, in particular the one at Philippi. Because as Paul began to bond with this new church that he went to back in Acts chapter 16, we find that during this time frame uh, that Lydia was converted. If you read the story, you can find she was a, a weaver, uh, a seamstress, if you would, of, of fine linen. And we read about her conversion. You find that Paul cast a demon out of a woman and and that resulted in him, him and Silas being scourged and put into prison jail and fastened into stocks. And that's where they sang that famous song. All, and, and, and the jailhouse shook and they were released. Paul and Silas converted a jailer during that time. And his family. The church of Philippi evidently, while Paul's writing, has honored Paul more than any other church that he ever pastored, per se. So there was a great bonding that occurred with Paul and the church at Philippi. You see, what happens is, bonding takes place by doing life together. It's when we bury our dead and we marry our, off our children or, you know, most recently we weren't marrying off our children. It was marrying, uh, you know, marrying off an adult couple, you know, uh, uh, in this room, not marrying them off. But, you know, we united them together and we celebrated as a church with them, with Pam and, and David. Uh, it, it's... It's about when we go through struggles, the, the car accidents, the uh, you know whatever could possibly happen, the newborn babies, the the sick babies. We we do life together and we learn one another, but we bond together, we grow together. Now Paul writes three things in this letter, in this bonding. The first three points that Paul or the three points that Paul makes in this letter are these. Number one. Paul commends his leaders. He mentioned his deacons and elders. I, I want you to know that that in the church and 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 the church is. Let me tell you something. I, I started to to take a snapshot off the security camera. And in case you didn't know it, there's security cameras all over this building. And 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 at any given time, I can look at the sanctuary here my, myself and a couple other people. But let me tell you, when when you all are not here, this sanctuary is empty and it's dark. Now we can turn on the lights and the and, and it's no longer dark, but it's still empty until you all get here. And, and when I talk about the church, I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about you. Each and every one of you. And, and as, as Paul writes to this church at Philippi, he takes the time to commend the leaders. Let me tell you, every, every church needs leadership. And Voice of Praise Worship Center is no, uh, exemption to that, uh, that rule, if you would. And in this church, let me say this, this church has some of the, some of the greatest leadership that I've ever encountered in, in the years of ministry that I've been doing. 
This church has strong leadership. Not only does it have strong leadership that's existing, it's got strong leadership that's coming up. It has strong leadership that is developing. And sometimes, and you've heard me say this before, we really, as a church, sometimes I don't think that we realize what a jewel we have in who we are as a church because we are what is called a in in size we would be a nominal church in America but most nominal churches strive to have leaders most churches strive strive to meet just to pay the electric bill. Most churches strive in so many ways just to survive when you fall in that uh, that category of being a nominal church. But Voice of Praise Worship Center has been blessed. And it's not blessed. I, I appreciate Pastor Appreciation Day. Sarah and I both do. But let me tell you something. We could be here and say we're the pastors. I could still have the sign on my door out there. I could still have my desk, which doesn't have the three envelopes in it, by the way, but, but, but we could be here, but without you, it would just be us. But see, with you all, it means that we're together. Not just together, but we're doing life together. We're not only doing life together, but we're doing church together. And we're not just doing church together, we're being the church together. We've been around the world, some of us, and, and, and those of you that physically haven't been around the world, uh, uh, financially we're supporting around the world, and I've got some great news that we're going to be releasing in the next several weeks about along that line of carrying the gospel to the nations. But, but you all, and, and the leadership you have are a big part of who we are as a church. Thank God for the leadership that surrounds Sarah and myself. The leadership of this church is tremendously diverse in their giftings and their knowledge. And Sarah and I greatly appreciate them. He wrote of his appreciation to the laity. And I've already touched on that. Let me, don't, don't anybody take, don't take this as a slam. This is not a slam. But we appreciate some of you all already walked up and handed us things. There's things we've got in the mail from some of you all. Some of you all will not hand us anything and that's okay. That's, that's not the issue. That's not the point. Some of you all have fixed my favorite chocolate pie, I think. And, and I appreciate that. Some of you all may fix my favorite macaroni and cheese with Colby cheese for afternoon dinner. And I appreciate that. But let me tell you something. There is nothing that we, that Sarah and I appreciate any more of you as our church people than your faithfulness. We appreciate, listen, I, I, it's not about me, and I don't mean to sound like it is about me, but God has placed a call on my life, and part of that call, part, a significant part of the call that God has pre- put on my life is to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you why, it's hard to preach the gospel to empty pews. It's hard to lead empty pews into worship. But, but when you all are in this room, when you all are here and, 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 and we come together and we begin doing life together as corporately on, whether it's a Sunday morning and yes, we still do Wednesday night and whether it's, it's coming together for that or we're coming together for the play rehearsal like we're doing currently on, uh, uh, with the, the, Pam has the play, the drama team coming together. It, it's about us coming together. And he wrote, wrote in his appreciation of the laity. It's simple. 
We would not be here without you. This church would not be here without you. This would just be an empty building without you. And it's mine and Sarah's desire more than anything probably in our life for the church. Would I like to see the numbers grow? I, absolutely. I would not. I couldn't call myself a pastor if I didn't want to see church growth. That, that, that would be almost ludicrous to say. But but the but but our main focus is to see you all, see every single person that walks through the doors of this building, every single person that we as a body come in contact with is to see you grow and to nurture you in the grace and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, we're not here just because listen, there's a new glove factory open in Withville making surgical gloves. I probably couldn't work there long because I like blowing them up and making them real fat, you know. But but that new glove factory is paying really good, really, really good. If any of y'all looking for a job, it's paying really, really good money. It's not about what we can make as a salary. It's not. And of course, yes, we have to live and breathe and do just like anybody else. And but 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 it's not about that. It's not about having a title. It's not about a notoriety thing. But but the the thing is, we it, it is the desire of our heart to see you grow in grace and increase in your knowledge of the Word and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's our motive. That's our goal. When when the time comes. And, and some of you may leave this world before we leave this world. Some of you all, the, the rapture may take place and hopefully we're all saved and we all go at the same time. But, but when the day comes that we leave here or the time comes that we do leave here because we're so old and dilapidated, we can't do it anymore. And, and then we hope that we can leave knowing that we have imparted something into your life because we're doing Life together. But we appreciate you. Because you are why we are here. The third thing that Paul acknowledges. He acknowledges even after he left. And again, this is not a resurrection. This this is probably a good resignation sermon, okay? But this is not a resignation sermon. Paul acknowledges the continuing legacy of faithfulness that the church of Philippi had even when he wasn't there. You know one of the things that, do you know one of the things that Sarah and I have enjoyed the most about, I shouldn't say enjoyed the most, but it certainly makes our, our work here, I don't like to call it a job, but it certainly makes our work a whole lot easier. It goes back to the leadership thing, but and it goes back to you because I know I can stand up and announce like I did a few minutes ago. That we're we're going to Florida next. We're leaving Thursday. We're going to Florida, and Connie Black's going to be preaching here next Sunday. And and we can go and we can rest assured everything is going to be good and well because there's competent leadership and there's faithful people. You know, one of the greatest compliments that Sarah and I can have as pastor is say that we're going to be away for a few days or a Sunday and, and and everything is going to go on. One of the greatest compliments you could give us is saying, well, we didn't really even miss you all. One of the greatest compliments is said, Pastor, we had record attendance while you all were gone. Seriously. That's one of the greatest compliments. Don't stay home because we're not here. 
That's the wrong thing to do. To me, that hurts. But, but, but to know that there is a legacy of faithfulness, one of the greatest things that could ever happen to Sarah and I is if, if and when that time comes and, and, and we would have to leave this church and leave our pastoral assignment behind at this church is to look back in, 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 in two or three years after that and see that the church has grown even more than, and, and, and more believers and more people are reaching maturity than there was when we left. You see, that's one of the greatest things. Greatest things that could ever happen. So the continual legacy of faithfulness. For those of you that are newcomers in this room this morning, or maybe some of you all are watching and you're wanting to find a place to go and you're just watching our services online, let me tell you something. This church has a strong leadership. This church has a strong a strong nucleus, a, a, a root of people that are dedicated and, and, and willing to serve the Lord. And if I was looking for a church to go to in Bluewell, I certainly would look this way. And I don't say that just because I'm the pastor. I say that because I know who you all are. I know who you all are. I know how, I know your, your faithfulness. I know your dedication. And so, so those of you who are newcomers, you've come along in this past year or so. Let me tell you something. You made a good choice. You made a good choice. Don't second guess it. You've done well for yourself. Some have come and some have gone. But those of you out of the core group, you're still here. Every church goes through difficult times. This church is not exempt to that. This church has went through. Hello. This church has went through a, this church has went through a church split years ago. This church went through a church plant before it went through that. This church has went, this church has been through some failures. This church has been through some difficult times. And, and if you're looking for a church that hasn't been through any of that stuff, don't, you'll never find it. I want to tell you. If you're looking for the perfect church, don't go there because you're going to mess it up really bad. Okay? But there is a core group of people that have stood the test of time right here at Voice of Praise Worship Center. And Sarah and I say to you today, we appreciate your your faithfulness. Because like the church at Philippi continued to take care of Paul and the church continued to go forward, this church has weathered many storms. And it's because of you and your faithfulness that you've weathered those storms. So we look forward to doing some more life together. I don't know how long it'll be. I know Sarah and I have said that we're not going to retire until we're 68 if our health holds out. Some of you may say, ah! But today, as we, you all appreciate us, I want to say we appreciate you all. We couldn't do it without you. We're only two people. But together, all of us are strong. Together, all of us are strong. Paul, uh, Paul speaks of, in another letter, Paul speaks of us being a body, but, uh, one body, but made up of many members. Uh, I didn't put this on overhead, and if you have your 
scriptures in your Bible on your phone or in front of you, I, I want you to turn to First uh, Corinthians chapter 12 as I conclude with this reading. I'm reading from the New International Wording. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. If you have a Zonder, no, if you have a, a Broadman Holman Bible, it's on page 1013. Thin, thin, thin line Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 12, verse number 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts In the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary... Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. That means you wash your feet. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. You brush your teeth and use mouthwash. At least I hope. While our presentable parts... Need no special treatment. Like me, I don't use hair gel. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lack it. So that there should be no division in the body. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. There you go. Doing life. Together. If one part suffers, we all suffer. You mash your little toe. How many ever went through running through the house in the middle of the night? Stepped on a Lego block and then cracked your little toe right on the corner of the bedpost. Makes your whole leg hurt. Your whole body hurts. When one part of the body hurts, it all hurts. Every part rejoices with it when it rejoices. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. And each uh, one of you is a part of it. 
And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, even then the workers of miracles, and all those having gifts and healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administrations, and those speaking in different kind of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But do all eagerly desire the greater gifts? Let me tell you the, the answer to Paul's question. He, he leaves it open-ended. The answer is no. Because everybody is a little bit different, but we're all doing life together. That's what makes a church. That's what makes a church. And that's why Sarah and I appreciate you all. Because this is not about us. This is about you all. Because you all are who makes the church. And we appreciate you. Madison, if you'll come back, please. And we appreciate you. So we look forward to do more and more life together. You may have to help us along the way somewhere. You may have to can can I can I share something with you all? I want to share something with you all as Madison plays softly. I have failed miserably. I have failed miserably. I was going to share this last week and I it slipped my mind and you know, an old brother Pete Davis used to attend a church, a little independent church that I was a associate pastor in a number of years ago when I first started ministry. Brother Pete said, uh, he said, an honest confession is good for the soul, but it can be horrible for the reputation. And I don't tell you all, I have failed miserably. Friday a week ago, Sarah and I, she, she, she was part of it. She caused me to fail. Nathan and Vicky are not here to defend herself, but they're also, I, I can attribute a little bit of responsibility to them. See, back in July, I sold Nathan my yellow Dodge truck. I don't know why. I just did. And I've whined ever since. Last Friday, I bought a Ford. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. We hadn't even started the thing since we drove home last Friday. We hadn't even started it again till last night. Fear it wouldn't run, I guess. I don't know what the deal was. You know. Dave, if you still got those loud mufflers, I might need them. Because it's a lot like yours. I bought a Ford. But Jesus forgive me. Jesus will forgive me. Now, I may have to suffer the consequences of my sin. Because I'm not on trade trucks again anytime soon. Unless any of y'all, if any of y'all are interested in a 2010 Ford F-150, I will give you a really good deal in it. Come see me. What I'm doing here. I'll sell anything I got except Sarah. No. I may, but seriously, we may fail you. you. We may fail you along the way. We may have some hardships. 
we may have some troubles because we, we have life just like you all have life. And you all are going to have some as well. And, and he, But here's the thing about it. However long God gives us together, it may be eight more years, it may be ten more years, I don't know. But, but here's the thing about it. I, I, I'm looking forward to doing life together. And Sarah and I just want to let you know very much so that we appreciate you and we're glad for the eight years that we've had to you with you all at this point. Can you give yourself a hand for being the church? Thank you so much. A number of years ago, I stood with another bunch of pastors, a larger group of pastors around the, the bed of Dallas Jewell. It was his deathbed. We didn't know that uh, exactly, but it, his death would come just a very, very short time after we gathered in his living room around his, his hospice bed. And as we stood there, we all prayed for him. And Brother Jewell said, uh, he said, I'm going to go around this room and I'm going to pray for every one of you all. And there was about 10 of us pastors there and he prayed for every single one of us. And after he got through praying, he said, now I want to tell you, he said, I want to tell you what I'm going to do. He said, I want every one of you all to promise me that every time you preach, you're going to give an altar call. And he went around that circle around his bed and he said, you promise, you promise, you promise. And I promised Dallas Jewel anytime I'd preach that I would give an altar call. Along with about nine other fellows. So today, with as we're gathered in this room, and we appreciate the appreciation, but we appreciate you all. And I'm very, I meant what I said. You, this, this, those of you, if you're here, you found a great church. Those of you that are looking, don't look past this one because if you do, you're going to miss a great church. But is there one person in this room? That needs to give their heart and their life to Jesus today. Is there one person in this room that, that has grown cold and indifferent? You, 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 you've been a prodigal. You've wandered far away. You've been eating with the, 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 the pigs in the pig pen. And, and you say, I need to come back home. Is there one person in this room today that could raise your hand and say, Pastor, I need to be saved. Pastor, I need to recommit my life today. Is there one person in this room today? Because you're among a family of believers. That's doing life together. Is there one?